Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. You may be seated. So good to see you this morning. Right here, Bryce. Yes, uh, I am a Jets fan. Uh, and it's a long story. I don't want to tell it to you right now. And you probably wouldn't think it was that exciting if I did tell it to you. And I am a fan of uh, Tim Tebow. So I thought it'd just be good to get his jersey. If you're looking for a good YouTube video to watch, look up Jets Tim Tebow Highlights. If you're a fan of uh, two-yard runs and three-yard passes, you'll really like it with a thousand yards of enthusiasm, okay? I'm telling you, it's worth your time. Uh, Dude, well done. Well done. Sorry I spilled your coffee. I didn't mean to do that. No, it's okay. Uh, But we, uh, you know, someone said to me this morning, they said, I don't know if I can even trust you. In fact, it was Matt Evans. He said, I don't know if you're, it might discredit your everything you say because You're just a terrible judge of teams and everything else. Uh, But I come to you this morning with a great, a bigger, much higher standard and much higher uh, thing than myself. So I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Colossians. We just have two weeks left in Colossians, and I'm excited to uh, dive back into this together. So if you got a Bible with you, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you to be on the screen next to me, if you're using your phone, I'm using the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible. We love the Word of God at the Park Church, and uh, we love opening it and working through books of the Bible, verse by verse, at a time. So if you got it with you, if you see it next to me on the screen, say, I'm there. All right, let's dive into this together. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start verse 2 and read through verse 6. The Word of the Lord. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door. Say, open a door. To us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Have you ever felt like an outsider before? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were on the outside? I feel that every time that I'm traveling, I'm flying in the airport, and I'm sitting in a chair trying to fight someone to get to the chair by the outlet, you know what I'm talking about, so I can charge my phone, plug my uh, MacBook in and things like that, and looking for a good spot to sit. All the while I'm doing that, in front of me are these opening doors going, and people going in and out of this surreal, very peaceful and serenity type room. It's the Sky Miles Club. Have you ever seen that before? These people are walking in, they're getting, give, being given hot towels to have, and they sit down, and they don't just sit out with the rest of us waiting for our flight, and they just enjoy their time when someone else tells them when it's time to go bored. 
It is obvious that as I sit out there and if I have the kids with me trying to wrangle them up and get something to eat, that I am on the outside. I don't belong. And then most of the time you get on that flight, don't you? And those people that were in the the Sky Miles Club are the ones in first class. And to rub it in even more, they pull that little curtain across, doesn't it? You're sitting next to a baby that's throwing up all over the place and crying, and they slowly slide this curtain right in between you. It does nothing for the sound. It's just to tell you, you don't belong up here, right? Well, there's a few times that I've been upgraded to first class where the drinks never end and the food never stops. And I remember saying to the uh, flight attendant, I said, could you please close that curtain behind me? I don't want to hear that baby anymore, right? Because in that moment, I was an insider. You know, the scriptures talk about insiders and outsiders. In this very text here, there's some that are in and there's some that are on the outside. But it's much more serious than first class or a Sky Miles club. There are actually insiders and outsiders in the world today, and it's very important. So if you are an outsider, there are some things that you might ask, well, what are these outsiders outside of? We saw already in the book of Colossians, first of all, that if you're an outsider, you are outside of Christ. You are not in Christ. Outside of a relationship with God, outside of all the benefits that come with being in union with Christ and being on his team. You are not only outside of Christ, you are outside of his kingdom. And all the kingdom benefits being fully protected as a citizen of his kingdom. If you're an outsider, you are outside of his rule and reign as being a citizen of that, although being under him still as God overall. And you're outside of his church. Oh, you may be present here this morning, but not everyone is here this morning is a part of God's family. But here's the really good news. You ready for it? God loves to make outsiders insiders. He loves it. God loves to make outsiders insiders. To take those who are from the outside to being in Christ. Entered in from being his enemy to now being his friend. To being outside of his kingdom in the kingdom of darkness. Now being transferred into the kingdom of the son whom God loves. In being brought into his church, a family of messy, broken people, but nonetheless loved by God, being brought into his family by the Holy Spirit and the Son of God and being a part of his community, the church. God loves to do it. That's what he loves to do. Do you want to be a part of it? Are you in? Have you come from the outside and you're in? Do you want to be a part of being a people that brings people from the outside to the inside? God is already doing that in the world, and he will continue to do that in the world. The question is, do you want to be a part of what God is doing? And I want to tell you right now, the Park Church is a church that is going to be a part of what God is doing in the world. We are not a church that just checks off the boxes and said, I came on Sunday, but we are going to be used by God, by his grace, to bring in outsiders and make them insiders through grace, through faith alone. Why would we do that? First, we want to be obedient to God. That's what he's called us to do. 
He's called us in the Great Commission to make disciples. That is to bring others from the outside in and to help them grow up in their relationship with Christ. Secondly, we want others to experience the joy of knowing Jesus. We want others to experience the joy of being brought from the outside into the inside. And we want to experience the joy of being a part of that. Have you been a part of of helping someone come into the kingdom of God, of having their sins forgiven, of coming into a relationship with God through Christ? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, there's so many joys in the world, but there's nothing quite like that, of being used by God. And we want you as a church to feel that, to be a part of it. So we're going to be obedient because we want other people to experience the love of Christ. And we want to experience the joy of leading others into a relationship with Christ. So we're working through this series, this part in Colossians called Christ Over My Relationships. And we've looked at the home relationship. Last week we looked at the work relationship. Now we want to look at the relationship of the church and Christians to those who don't know Jesus. Look at verse 2 and 3 with me again. Devote yourself to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also that God may open a door for us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So I want to talk to us this morning, how do you be a part with God of how to make outsiders insiders? How do you make outsiders insiders according to the Apostle Paul and his ministry? It starts with this, be in prayer. Be in prayer. He says, devote yourself to prayer. See the significance of prayer in your life. If you don't see the significance, you won't be devoted to it. Oh, what a gift we had to be able to talk to God through our high priest Jesus, don't we? John F. Kennedy Jr.'s son was the first boy that was to be born while the president was in office in 80 years. And this famous, iconic photo shows the most influential man in the known world at his desk in the Oval Office and his son playing in that little compartment underneath the desk. There's something powerful about that, isn't there? Here's a man of so much influence and power, and his son doesn't even know it. It's his dad. And here he is hanging out, having fun, while they make decisions that affect the entire world as he's playing with his toys underneath daddy's desk. This is the type of access that you have to the Father. Do you get that? This is the type of access that you have to God the Father to come to him with all the other stuff that's happening in the world, all the busyness, everything that's going on, God can handle your request too. To talk to him, to live in relationship with him, to be under the desk while he's everything else is going on in the world. This is the type of access that you have to him. He says, be alert in prayer with thanksgiving. This is the outworking of where Paul says later in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. We get to have this close relationship with God. It doesn't mean you're always talking, but listen to this. You're living a life where you're constantly aware of God's presence in your day. As you're walking with him, you're aware of his presence. You're talking with him. You understand what's going on in your life, and you are relating and conversing with God all throughout the day. 
I like to think of it this way. How many of you text? Most of you text, right? Uh, when you have a friend or a family member that you're really close to, you're texting them throughout your day, aren't you? And letting them know what's going on, what happened, the joys, the excitements when you're bored. I say this when you think about prayer. It's like sending a text to God. Happy, mad, sad, glad, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, I'm keeping the communications line and making God a part of every single aspect of my day. But Paul tells him specifically, he's saying, this is what I actually want you to pray for. That God would open a door for us and for you to share the mystery of Christ. An open door, we use that phrase, don't we? It's a good Christian phrase. Other people will use it too when an opportunity has come about. It was actually Paul's catchphrase that God was bringing about an opportunity that he was opening the door so they could walk through it and share the gospel with someone. That is what he means by the mystery of Christ. The gospel that wasn't fully realized is now completely uncovered. This good news, now Paul is saying the salvation belongs to God. God, I want you to pray that he would open the door for us to be able to share the good news of Jesus. Paul knew where salvation came from. It comes from God. It's his work. And so he was dependent upon God to bring about opportunities to be able to share God's word and the truth of the gospel. Have you ever had someone say to you before, well, the least I can do is pray. You heard that before? Yeah. Actually, to pray is the most that you can do. It's the greatest work that you can do is pray. Charles Spurgeon, when he was giving a tour of his church to someone who hadn't been there before, and he had this huge ministry and people were getting saved left and right, he said, do you want to see the power of our ministry, the lifeblood of what makes all this happen? They walked past the auditorium and down to the basement to where there were hundreds of people gathered together in prayer for Charles Spurgeon's messages. He says, this is the powerhouse of our ministry. The most that you can do is pray. That's why we've adopted Oswald Chambers where he says, prayer is not what prepares us for work. Prayer is the work. And so here's what I want to challenge us with all this week. I want us all to start every day by asking God to give us an open door to share the gospel. Together. Daniel said he's really bad at counting. He said there's probably not even 100 of you in here. Actually, there's about 180 of you in here right now. He's really bad at counting. All right, here's what I want you to do. If you don't currently receive text from us, would you text this keyword and this number, open door to 94,000? Text that, we'll get you into our system, and here's what we want to do. Every day this week, we're going to send you some prayer prompts in the morning so that all of us together, united, will be praying this simple prayer. God, would you give me an open door to share my faith today? I'll tell you what, if you can start your prayer today that, with that prayer, that's a prayer that God will answer. And each one of us coming together on a united front, I'm serious, you, you text that number and get into that. 
Because not only will it give you an opportunity, but it's going to prepare your heart every day to be in the right place, to be realigned with this is what I'm made for and this is why I'm here, for God's glory and to share his message with others. So let's every day as a church gather and seek the Lord in prayer for lost people that they would become insiders instead of outsiders. Paul says, for which I am in chains. You notice that Paul doesn't say here, open the actual prison door so that I can get out of prison. Because that's where he is right now. He's writing this under house arrest. He's not saying, get me out of here. Pray that I can get out of here so that I can be effective. No, he says, in the midst of my chains, pray that God would open a door for me to share the gospel. And if you read the book of Philippians, you see that in spite of his change, in fact, because of his change perhaps, the, the Roman guard is coming to know Jesus. The gospel is advancing. So don't see this as once I get my life together and where I need to be, then I'll start praying this prayer and start sharing my faith. No, Paul is saying wherever you are right now, this is what God has called us to and should be our prayer to say, I want an open door, an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Look at verse 4 and 5. So that I may know, make it known as I should, act wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. So after you are being in prayer, secondly, to make outsiders insiders, you need to be wise. Be in prayer and then be wise. Say those with me. Be in prayer, be wise. Let's try it again. Be in prayer, be wise. If Paul says, pray for me so I will know to answer as I should, shouldn't you be praying the same thing if the Apostle Paul is asking that? I mean, he's like, I need to know how I should act. Would you pray for me in that way? He says, I want to know how to share wisely. How much more should we be looking to do the same thing? Now, Paul is assuming here that you, he, you are living among outsiders. He tells the church in Colossae, he says, get away from false teachers, but don't exit from the world. We are to be living as insulated Christians, being around other Christians, not isolated Christians. We're not to isolate ourselves from the world, but to live in and among the world. So there should be interaction as Christians with people who are not Christians. That's what, that's what Paul is assuming here, that you have relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And I hope you do. And if you don't, pray that God would bring that into your life. In that open door, say, God, would you bring me a friend that doesn't know you so that I can build a relationship with someone? And Paul says, be wise. Take some time to figure out where are your unsaved friends thinking? Where are your unsaved co-workers? What fills their minds? What are their fears? What are their needs? Knowing that there's no silver bullet, but each person is different. One pastor says there's many on-ramps to the gospel, to one gospel. Meaning that people are in different places in life. Get to know people. Be wise with how you can share with them. It might be through a loss that they could come onto the highway of knowing Christ. It might be through uh, just a, 
a spirit of what's next, and it gets them on to a relationship with Christ. Be wise. Get to know people. See where they are thinking. And then Paul says, make the most of your time. Build friendships. Promote a level of trust with people who don't know Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, come on, Brad, you got an advantage. You're a pastor. This is how all your conversations go. Hey, Brad, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, go ahead, share, right? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm listening, right? Actually, I'd say this. You have a greater advantage than I do because it's not what you do for your occupation. It's what you do because it's what you're called to and you've been loved by God to do so. So when someone says, what do you do? You say, I do this or that, but I love Christ. And hopefully that's seen in the time that we've spent time together. And you could take the advantage of that and say, I would love for you to be able to share with you what Christ has done in my life. Some of you are, are inviters. And you just bring people with you to hear the gospel. That's also a great way to uh, get the gospel out as well. To say, hey, I, we have the starting point class at church. I'd love for you to come and sit through it. And I would love to go through it with you. So if that's the case, I would say to you, just share your faith and don't criticize the way others do it. That's so easy to do, isn't it? Some of us guys from the Park Church were meeting for prayer early morning in the, for a breakfast and one of the guys asked me, he said, hey, Brad, what's your take on those, like, million-dollar tracks? Have you seen those before? Where someone puts, like, a, this piece of paper that's got a million bucks. It looks like a million-dollar bill, and then it's got the gospel presentation on there. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I think it's not my style of how I would do it, but I, I think it's okay, I guess. We're promoting relationship evangelism, but if that's the way you do it, that's fine. Well, come to find out, there was a guy sitting right behind us that had a whole slew of those in his front pocket. And he comes over to our table, and he's like, hey, guys, check these out. We're like, that's awesome. And his name's Tony, and he's become a friend of mine. He's great. Here's an old story from Dwight Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Someone came up to, to Moody and said this, Mr. Moody, I'm not sure I like your style of evangelism. And he said, well, neither do I. What's yours? And the guy said, I don't have one. He said, okay, I'll stick with mine. All right? So don't criticize. Find out what works for you and do it. But be wise about it. Look at verse 6. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. How do you make insiders, how do you make outsiders insiders? You start by being in prayer, and then you be wise. Second, thirdly, be refreshing. Be refreshing. Paul is instructing that sharing the message is important, but the way that you share it is also important. You should be living graciously the same way that the gospel of grace is. Your life should be characterized by grace. When does Paul say you should be gracious? Always. When does that mean? Always. You should always be gracious. Listen, the gospel is offensive. You don't have to be. The gospel confronts people and tells them that they're sinners. That's offensive. It doesn't mean that you have to be offensive. You should be gracious. You should be uh, encouraging and loving. Let me just say this, because we live in an age that Paul didn't, and I want to apply this to our presence online, on social media. 
I would encourage you with don't put a bunch of opinion posts and flaunt your ideas about how everyone is doing it wrong, followed up by a Jesus loves you post, okay? It's like writing Jesus loves you on the side of a nuclear missile, right? The medium, the message doesn't matter, okay? So you need to be a refreshing person. Seasoned with salt, Paul says. Salt brings flavor in that time. It also preserved things. And here's what I want you to think about. When you live the Christian life, you should be like a tall drink of water when you come in from mowing the lawn in the summertime. And not like uh, this conco concoction that my wife makes for me when I'm sick that's full of vinegar. It's like, so I come in from mowing outside and I drink that glass of water and I'm like, <sighs> right? But I have that vinegar and it's like, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. It's good for you, but you don't like it. Here's what I'm saying to you. You can be refreshing and tell the truth at the same time. When people walk away from an interaction with you, do they go, ah, I feel so refreshed? Or do they walk away from you and go, man, that person just drained me. And I feel bitter as a result. Let's be a people who are always gracious, seasoned with salt, being truthful and telling the truth, but being refreshing at the very same time. I want you to think about that today, honestly. Are my interactions with people, do they walk away refreshed? Paul says it should always be that way. Verse 6, the, the second half of it says this. So that you may know how you should answer each person. Last, how to make outsiders insiders is pray, be wise, be refreshing, be ready. Be ready. Now, I like a good deal when, I find, when, I'm, when I'm looking for one, right? As you can imagine, Tim Tebow jerseys on the Jets are very cheap online, okay? I love good deals. One time I thought, too, I was in the midst of working and running out a lot, and I thought, I need some good dry fits. And I thought, I'll go to the Goodwill where other people's sweat has been sucked off into their dry fit, and now they're getting rid of it, right? Didn't bother me. Well, I went into the Goodwill, and I found this uh, Ankeny High School weightlifting team dry fit. I know what you're thinking. Dude, that's very fitting for you, Brad. That makes sense. But on this was a slogan that I adopted for my life. This is what their slogan was for that season. It said this, when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. Did you catch that? When opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. Paul is saying here, listen, you need to be ready. If you're going to ask God in prayer that he would open a door for you, and you're being wise, and you're living a refreshing life of graciousness, be ready to share the gospel. Get after it. Work hard to know what you're supposed to say. Get the gospel message down so when others ask you about it, you can give a proper answer. And let me tell you this. You're still going to screw up. Last week, okay, this is your pastor here. Last week, I was in someone's house, and I was talking to him about the gospel. And I said to uh, this person, I said, so what's keeping you from knowing Christ? And she said, I just don't think that someone should have to die for me. I don't want anyone to have to die for me. 
And I wasn't ready for that response. And I'm sitting there on the couch and I was like, ah. And I go to like this verse and I totally botched the gospel presentation. Totally just screwed it up. I, of course I said some things and here's what's so great about it. You can't screw it up totally. There's some of the worst messages that I've ever preached in my mind. Someone will come up and go, God used that so greatly in my life. I'm like, oh, I don't know how he did, but I'm glad he did, right? Here's what I would have said to her because I'm not fast on my feet. I preach and I know exactly what I'm going to say when I get up here. I'm not quick to the draw. I've thought about it and when I go to her house this week again, this is what I'm going to share. You know, you said that last week. Here's a great verse that speaks to that. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the reason that Christ had to die for you. And I said that as much, but I fumbled my way through it. But this is what I'd say. That's the reason Christ died for you, because of your sin. But in the midst of your sin, he didn't wait for you to clean up and do good to get to him. He enters into your life right now. And he died in your place because you could never be good enough to earn a relationship with God, to have your sins forgiven, to live a life that's meant to be lived and to have a spot in heaven. You could never do that. Jesus has to do it for you. And he lived a perfect life and sees you as an imperfect person. And he comes in and says, I'm going to lay my life down. Die for you because I love you and I'm going to save you. That's what Jesus came to do and he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And this is a simple gospel message that we share. God is holy. I am not. Jesus saves. Christ is my life. It's, it's simple. Be ready. Let's be ready as a church to share this message and if you're here this morning and you're an outsider, the reason you're an outsider is not because of your economic status. It's not because of what you've done in your past. The reason that you are an outsider is simply because of sin. Sin makes you an outsider, but love can make you an insider. And the love of a perfect God that loves you so much that he would send his son, Jesus. And Jesus became an outsider so that you could be an insider. Jesus came, lived among us, lived with us, and then died in our place, was taken outside of the city, treated like an outsider as a criminal so that we could be brought near, so that we could be brought in. So it's not like being brought in here as a church into first class if you're on the outside. It's humbling yourself and saying, I could never be good enough in being brought into God's family. So if you're here this morning, you're welcome here. It's so good to have you. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not in. He's the only thing that makes you in. What you do with Jesus. Will you believe that you are a sinner? That Jesus died for you and rose again and say, I can't do anything to earn a relationship with God. He will bring you in through faith alone. So listen, let's be a church that loves to be a part of what God is doing. A church that experiences the joy of bringing people who were once afar that were on the outside to be insiders. Oh, you guys are doing so good with this.
keep inviting. Keep going. Let's stick to it. Let's keep our urgency up. But if Christ is not over everything in your life, you're not going to share your faith. Christ has to be over everything. That you're so in love with the gospel and what he's done that it just spills out into others. So I would encourage you if you're like, I'm nervous to share my faith, spend more time with Christ. Spend more time and engage with him. You'll still be nervous, but it'll be able to come out of you and to share with others as we start in prayer, as we pursue wisdom with outsiders, as we pursue to be refreshing people, and we're ready to share when God brings an opportunity our way. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the good news this morning that you save sinners. I don't deserve to be an insider, but you brought me in through the blood of Christ. You've indwelt me with your Holy Spirit I'm a mess, I'm broken, I make mistakes all the time. And so do so many in this room. But we aren't brought near because we're great people who have it all together, but because we serve a perfect God who does. And so I pray for the one that's here this morning that doesn't know you, that's on the outside. Would they become an insider today? Give their life to Christ and trust him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the last of our interviews that we have uh, for this little mini-series that we're doing. Uh, would you welcome with me uh, my friend Chuck DeClean? Some of you know him well, and some of you don't know him at all. And you're like, who's this guy in this old Favre jersey uh, up here sitting here with us? So Chuck has been a, a, a great friend of mine, a mentor to me. And w someone that loves to be a part of what God is doing and seeing outsiders become insiders. And I'm just thrilled that you're here with us today, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, dude. So tell us, uh, you have done the Lambo Leap before, right? I, I have one time with a little help. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have yes. a step stool that you got up well, on? Well, almost. Almost. I'm almost, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were just there looking at the Hall of Fame and my cousin and I were there and we did that and tried to take a picture, which we did and sent it out. But That's I enjoy awesome. doing it. Enjoy doing it. Chuck and I have been on, we're on staff together for many years at a local church here, Sailorville Church. And uh, we, uh, it, it was a blast, wasn't it? Just to get to know each other in that way. Yeah, it was. It was working downstairs together. Los, yeah. Los Tres Amigos. Yep, yep. Ooh, we yeah, worked so. in the basement of the church, in the bowels of the church. That's where the powerhouse was oh, right yeah, down that, there. Yeah, that's Just for like sure. Spurgeon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, uh, so you have not always been an insider, right? In no, fact, nobody is. Nobody's always an insider. But no, I wasn't. I was not raised in a home that the gospel was made clear. In fact, I didn't even know what the gospel was. I, I would probably thought I did know, but I really did not. You grew up in a religious home, though, right? I did. I, I grew up in a strong Catholic family all of my life. There were eight kids, and I was the third oldest of yeah. that group. Yeah. So how did you then, someone built a relationship with you, right? You came when I, when I went into the Air Force, um, I was at least curious about spiritual things, but I had no idea where to find. I would continue to go to church every single Sunday, but when I was stationed at Offutt Air Force Base in, in Nebraska, um, I had a friend, well, I had a number of friends, but my commanding officer 
um, was a believer, which I didn't know it at the time, but he was just sort of a joyful guy. He loved sports, and I love sports as well. And uh, so when, when basketball season came along, I decided I'd play on his team, and we just had a great time. And uh, at different times, he would take us out to lunch, and, um, and I worked for him, and he was sacrificial. We would go in and test our code. I was a computer programmer late at night, and the officers never had to go, but Doug would volunteer, said, I'll come. And uh, not only would he come, he would bring food with him. That's always a big thing when you're a single Air Force guy. I mean, food's important. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he just was thoughtful that way. Yeah. And, uh, but I actually knew Doug for an entire year, but I never really heard the gospel. He had taken time to get to know me and... Uh, it was enjoyable. So that's that wise portion of it, isn't it? Of being wise towards outsiders. It wasn't, he knew you were religious, and, uh, but it took a full year before just building a relationship with you, before you even uh, heard the gospel from Doug, right? Yeah, in fact, but he was working on other people. He, oh, one okay. by yeah. one in the office, he would start to go through and he'd invite them over to his house. And, and, uh, but what happened to me is after the end of the season, we were going to have a great big party, which probably wouldn't have been a party Doug wanted to come to. But um, I asked him, I said, Doug, we, you're sort of the coach of the team. We'd love to have you come. And he, and he said, what kind of party? He said, well, is it going to include a lot of drinking? He sort of knew who I was. I said, yeah, I'll probably include quite a bit of that. But we just like to come. You can drink Pepsi, Coke, whatever you want to drink. And... Uh, he said, well, you know, I'm not sure um, that I would honor the Lord in doing that, which sounded strange to me. But then he said, Chuck, could I just ask you one question? I said, well, yeah, go ahead. Now, uh, keep in mind, he's a friend of mine now. He's not asking a question of a stranger. He's a friend. And he said, Chuck, if you were to die, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? I had never heard that question before. In fact, at that point, I did not even know that people knew they were going to heaven. To me, the best you could do is hope, not know for sure. Yeah. But he took time to ask me that question. I was so, I don't want to say upset, but drawn in by the question. I went to talk to my a priest, a chaplain, and um, I said, Father, I ran into this guy that says he knows for sure. I said, is that even possible? And the priest said, I admire your friend's faith, but no, that's not possible. Mm. And I said, that's exactly what I thought. And then, and then I, I said, well, one more. I said, Father, should I talk to this guy anymore? And the priest said to me, he said, you know, go ahead. So I did, and I started to ask Doug all sorts of questions, and he would point me to the Bible, and then that eventually led to salvation, and uh, then um, I trusted Christ in his backyard, wow. and um, it changed my whole life. Amazing. That's incredible. That's good. How many years ago was that? It's when he bought the Favre jersey, right? It, was back, it wasn't too long yeah, ago. Yeah, it was just a little bit farther back than that. <laughs> But so. since then, I mean, it was a dramatic change. You've since been a pastor, a missionary to Ecuador, 
Uh, you taught on sharing your faith and, and missions at uh, Faith Baptist Bible College and other places. Yeah. Um, but and, uh, and you know, I do. I brought a book. I wrote a book about a year ago. It's just a short book. It has yeah. Bible studies in it, and um, that sort of goes through the whole story and how I use the studies. But yeah, it did change my whole yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you mentoring me. I've, I've been at many dining room tables with Chuck. Explain, hearing him explain the gospel and to walk through it uh, with him and just uh, the way that you're able to well first of all how, how what, what importance does prayer play into your uh, <laughs> yeah. sharing your faith prayer is extremely important and Doug modeled that for me as well because I knew afterwards I knew he had prayed a lot for me mm. and he shared the word continually so I really enjoyed that but for me I know prayer is important. There's a number of people I'm working with right now, and oftentimes at night or early in the morning, it is easier because I don't have kids at home right now. They're all grown, but I have a favorite place in my house where I can just kneel down and pray, and oftentimes I'll take those people to the Lord, and as you said, I pray for open doors as well. And, and so it is extremely, extremely important. And you know, the one thing in what you covered this morning it's interesting to me that Paul didn't pray for himself. Did you see that? He asked other people to pray for him. So as you do pray in the mornings, you can pray for yourself, but you should be thinking other friends that you could be praying for. God, open doors for them. Please open doors for them. And God does open doors. Just, I just, I understand. It's a prayer he loves to answer, isn't it? Yeah. Just so you know that people, you know, I know not everybody. I was not an extra. I mean, I wasn't out there talking to people. It took me a while to make friends, but little by little. The book I, I wrote is called Learning to Be a Fisher of Men, and it's a learning process. But just this is how easy, in a sense, these things can happen. So I went over to Ankeny, just built a senior citizen's building. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, if you're over 60 and... Brad, I just turned over 60, so I just... <laughs> and uh, you can eat free over there. So I went over to a friend. With Anyone a friend. over 60 or anybody can well, eat free? Well, Ankeny, well, I think, yeah, it costs... This is interesting. Can you use a swimming pool for free? Cause there, there's no swimming pool oh, there, Oh, okay, it's going to drop my yeah, gym yeah, membership yeah, if yeah, you yeah, had no, a little loophole no, there. That won't work, Okay, Brad, that won't work. Now, remember, this is more for seniors, but okay. younger. But anyway, you can join it for $40 a year. <laughs> but what's interesting is you can eat lunch there. So my friend took me over, and uh, so I sat down on Friday, just this last Friday. So we got a, it was a bag lunch. So it's nothing, you know, whoa, this is great. But it was good. So we sat down. There were two people that were sitting at the table. And um, so we're sitting there, and I started to eat, and I said, hey, where are you folks from? And so my, my buddy's a Vikings fan, so, you know, but they said, we're from Wisconsin. And uh, I said, that's where I'm from. And uh, so we just started to talk a little bit, and, um, and then they said something to me that is important. This is why, because I did not get into the gospel then, but I know who they are, and I'll try and go back. But they said, you know, we've been coming here for a couple of months, and a lot of times we sit down at the lunch table and we'll sit with other people. Most of the time, it's totally silent. Hmm. And I thought to myself, that shouldn't be. I mean, just a simple question, where are you from? And then my buddy said something, and then, then, then I said, yeah, 
That's what a Viking fan would say, isn't it? And they just laughed. My friend didn't appreciate it. But the Wisconsinites did appreciate sure, it. Yeah. And then they said this. That's what they're, they told me. It's the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> so always throwing people down and yeah, stopping yeah, on them, right, yeah. Georgie? Yeah. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is they actually were looking forward to talking to people by going mm. to that senior mm. center and a lot of people aren't talking. Wow. But it's pretty easy. It's a simple question. Hey, hey yeah. where are you all from? Let's not overthink it, right? No. And, and don't it, feel like you have to like land the deal the first time you meet somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, if God exactly. brings it about, great. So I was at, building relationships by simply asking and coming back and talking to that person again. So I know I probably have time. It depends who you visit with. If you're visiting with someone that's a friend, you can go slow. Build the relationship. Yes, yeah. Take time with them. Get to know them, and then it will be a friend-to-friend -friend conversation. But even on the other side, so I went to the mall with my wife on Friday. I, we do it every once in a while, and she loves to go into the loft, her favorite store. So I know exactly where I have to sit down. She's you know? hip. The loft. Oh, is oh, yeah. yeah, she yep. is. And uh, so I sat down there, and there was another guy sitting across. Now, a lot of times, again, but there's a simple question you can ask. All I, I looked over at him, just smiled. I said, hey, is your wife in there? <laughs> he said, no, no, my wife's down to two stores down. She's at a different store. <laughs> and then I simply said, hey, do you come here pretty often? Oh, not that often. I said, well, where are you from? I'm from Mason City. So obviously they don't come that often, but we just had a great conversation. I actually found out the guy's probably a believer. It was a very simple conversation. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, it's just simple. Just, this is what I always tell as I work with people. Learn to love people. That's the key. Yeah. Learn to love people. Folks, people are going to go to heaven or hell. We have to love people. Yeah. And you say, well, it's awkward. What happens if it happened to that guy? You said, is your wife in there? And he just looks back at you and gives you a strange look. What have I lost? I've not really lost anything. I mean, that can happen. But if you're friendly and smiling and love people, somehow people can pick up on that. And it makes it far easier to talk to someone like you. And that's what we have to do. This is a world that's looking for people that would love them. And, and I pray that God would use us to do that type of thing. And even people that come into church, like, and I, I like to give things that just happened. In the book, I give all sorts of examples of how God has opened doors. And it's fun. Stories are fun. In fact, we, but people come into church. We had somebody, we have church on Sunday night. We're a new church plant, just like you guys are brand new church plant. So a guy comes in and he has a big St. Louis Cardinal jacket on. And um, anyway, introduces um, a guy that came in. He said, hey, Chuck, I'd like you to get to know this guy. So I talked with him for a while and it was just the first service. Hey, I said, hey, do you have time to grab a bite or something tomorrow? I'd love to do it because we started to talk just a little bit and, he, and somehow the word born again came up. And I, I said, do you understand what that is? And he said, I think so. I said, well, has it happened to you? And he said, yeah. I said, well, when did it happen? And he said, today. 
And then I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what that he meant by that. So I said, let's go out to eat. I'd like to hear your story. So we did. And the guy moved to the area, and he messed up with his wife, and she divorced him. And he's still living in the area, has three kids. He was so discouraged last weekend. And uh, he watched four preachers on TV, four preachers on TV. And the last preacher said to him, there's somebody sitting out there that's thinking about taking their life. God loves you. And he's sitting in the living room, and he said, that's me, talking to me. And he said, I just gave myself to the Lord. I still don't know what that means. You say, are you sure you're saved? I don't know if he is or not. Hmm. But that anyway, was just last week. Just last Sunday night. Last wow. Sunday night. Wow. And in fact, I just got a text from him here while I was sitting here. I'm going to try and get together with him. But here's somebody that just came into the church. Other people are going to come. And, and how yeah. he ended up at our church? Yeah, that someone would Okay, so like, no, what do you... We have I don't know any unsaved people. A, so they're at church with you, right? Talk to people <laughs> at church, right? Yeah. The, the reason he came to our church is he saw a sign out on the street that says services tonight at 530. That's the only reason he came to our church. Wow, wow. But I hope we can be a help to him. We just had another couple that started to come two months ago, but it was because a family in the church befriended them, and they just were close friends. And they said, why didn't you come to church with us? And they did... And the family even did a few studies with them, and, um, but they weren't saved, but they kept coming. And finally, I got to know them, and I went over to their house, and we started to do Bible studies. His name is Randy. Her name is Natalia. And about three weeks ago, they trusted the Lord yeah, in their homes, great. Great. in their homes. Yeah. And up to this day, Randy has read the Gospel of John, the Book of Acts, the Book of Romans, 1 Corinthians. Yeah. And he's yeah. just on fire for the That's Lord. Awesome. So you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. But I use a, a Bible study booklet, you know. Yep. And uh, that, too, is in the book that I have. But you just guide people through the study. Yeah. And I do like to do a study that um, takes a couple of weeks so that I can build the relationship, relationship more. Yeah. Yep. That's what it's all about. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Chuck. We so appreciate you. I love you, brother. Thank you for being here. We want to be a church that builds relationships and sees people come to know Christ. Amen. Would you close us out and pray to that yeah, end? I will. Right. Father, I thank you for the group of people that is attending here. Father, there may be somebody right now in this auditorium that really doesn't know you. They've heard about it, but they're not sure if they're going to go to heaven. Father, I pray that you would burden their heart to follow through on that. And, Father, that they would make that need known. For us, Father, that have experienced the greatest salvation a person could ever have, help us to understand our salvation and the joy of living with you forever and ever and ever and ever mm. and want to share that with other people. So help us to do that in a world that's very opposed to you, there's no strings here. This isn't easy. It's an up, but there are those that are searching and looking. May you open the doors for us so that we can share the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, the
the, the, if you're interested in the book, I have some. They're $10. They're in the back. They're in the back at our research center. We'd love to have you stop by there, cash, card, whatever you want to do. Thanks so much for being with us today. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You're dismissed. Thank you.